welcome to this Unpacked Short. I'm Charlie Pickles and I'm joined by our Unpacked Guru, Peter Franklin. Hi Charlie. Hi Peter. So today we are talking about a familiar subject for Unheard, an incredibly important one for the world, which is China and specifically the Chinese economy. And Peter, this is an unpacked that you wrote, which is called Will the Chinese Economy Go the Way of the USS and it's a piece which was um, unpacking uh, an article on Bloomberg by David Fickling. Now, I want to start, Peter, by slightly, I suppose, questioning whether it's really fair to compare the Chinese economy uh, and that of the Soviet Union, because obviously, you know, we're all pretty familiar now with the Chinese economy, how, I suppose, dynamic it is, you know, the kind of pace of growth that they've mm. seen. We don't tend to associate the Soviet Union with the same dynamism. So why are we comparing the two? Well, that's because our most recent uh, memories of the Soviet Union are of its, you know, in the 70s and 80s when it was falling to bits. However, earlier than that, especially in the post-war period, the 50s, um, it had its heyday and it was growing faster than the economy of the United States. It was, uh, in size, um, second only to the United States and was seen as a real rival, not just a military rival, not just a nuclear rival, but an economic rival. And, you know, people were worried for a while. You know, (laughs) have these guys, you know, got what it takes to outstrip us? And so... Well, let's answer that question, Peter. So in the case of both um, the Soviet Union and China, you know, let's state the blindingly obvious communist countries. um, How did they manage? How did the Soviet Union, as you say, when it was in its peak, kind of in its heyday, and then China, so I suppose arguably maybe a few years earlier than where we are now, when they really had their their kind of super high growth. Yeah. How did they, how have they managed it? Well, um, there are those um, sort of communist sympathisers in the West who say that, aha, well, this shows that communism can be successful, you know, if you do it right. Um, However, the, the fact is that growing your economy fast from what was a previously low base isn't that difficult. If you've got access to technologies that other people have already invented. Um, if you've got a, you know, reasonably sort of bureaucratically capable government that can pump um, investment funds into implementing those technologies, then you have to be really staggeringly unlucky or corrupt or incompetent not for that to produce growth. Um, Just think about it in terms of electrifying um, a country, literally putting in an electricity grid and bringing bringing electricity to homes and to to places of work. Um, You know, if you compare that to having no electricity, then yes, that's going to make a huge difference to your productivity. It could hardly fail to. Which is the same as broadly industrializing. Yes, um, other things, even sort of more basic things like running water, um, you know, that makes a huge difference. Or roads. Yes, or literacy, basic literacy. Suddenly you're moving from a, you know, a, a state of 
I guess, almost a sort of medieval state to the modern world. And because all these technologies have already been developed elsewhere and are ready to go, um, you can leap forward in years what it took the originators of these technologies decades or even centuries to achieve. So, yeah, rapid growth when you're catching up is doable. So, really, we're talking about, I guess, low-hanging fruit in that sense. Yes. So, what happens when you run out of the low-hanging fruit? Well, that's a really good question. Um, uh, The only way you get to the higher hanging fruit is through, well, you've got to innovate. You need a ladder. (laughs) You need to do things in a different way. It's not easy anymore. But to drive forward that innovation, you need an entrepreneurial economy. And that's what the Soviet Union lacked. Um, And so... Uh, they try to keep growth going in other ways um, by, um, as happens sometimes in Western countries too when they're in recessions, you have make-work schemes, you build bridges to nowhere, you build roads that aren't rarely needed because it keeps the economy going. Um, and the Soviet Union had a particular um, reason to do this, which was to develop... Um, you know, their vast territories uh, to the east of the Urals, um, Siberia and the, and the, the Soviet Far East. Um, you know, you could keep building out and building out infrastructure, but in many ways this was a great misallocation of investments because fundamentally unproductive parts of the country were having investment ploughed into them and not those parts of the country, the more advanced parts that could have developed into into properly modern sort of technologically advanced economies. So it's, I mean, essentially classic misallocation uh, of capital. Yes, um, which is easy to do when you're, um, you've got an all-powerful government and uh, you can tax your people, you can tax your resources to provide the investment capital and you've got a monopoly over that too. So yes, um, uh, it's, it's, it's a trap that a lot of very centrally driven uh, economies fall into. And, um, you know, having, having sort of um, been lulled into a sense of their own competence by the fact that they did have, you know, years of pretty good growth behind them. But you can't keep sustaining that unless you keep pushing forward on innovation. And as we know, um, Soviet-style economies aren't particularly good at that. So do we think then that uh, China has a more promising future than the Soviet Union ended up having? Or do we think it is going to go the same way? Well, um, we've certainly seen a huge push on uh, a sort of investment-led economic strategy. Um, Give you an illustration of that. Um, There were three years, I think, in the last decade when China's use of concrete was greater than all the concrete used in America during the whole of the 20th century. Whoa. (laughs) Great little factoid. It is, yes, and it's been verified. Um, You know, they built and built and built. And yeah, that level of 
of um, just sort of pushing out that investment is going to get your economy growing. But there's presumably a point at which using more concrete, A, isn't really going to give you the same growth because who's going to use the buildings and the, That's right. you know, the infrastructure you're, you're, yes. you're creating. And I think actually in China, there have been examples of these sort of almost kind of communities being built where no one lives in. Indeed, in yeah. So it's just not a, just community, entire cities right. that appear to be empty. Um, and, you know, obviously that's not productive. Um, so you, you do r- run out of those low-hanging fruits. But just briefly, you know, one of the things that I think we're all starting to talk about a bit more is China's really quite intensive focus on uh, technology. So on AI, on quantum yes. computing, on the kind of future, really, of where innovation and growth is probably going to come from. Exactly. It's not just sort of... Um, sort of very sort of basic construction um, investment is being ploughed into these um, sort of frontier areas. Um, but you need, even then you need more than that. I mean, the Russians had had some of the same with, with obviously their spaceflight industry, um, where Russia arguably is still the lead nation. Um, however, it wasn't enough to keep the whole economy going. You also need a class of entrepreneurs, of private enterprises, to do all the things that governments aren't good at doing. And compared to the Soviet Union, modern-day China does have quite a lot of these entrepreneurs. It has a huge middle class. Um, I think there are more people um, uh, earning more than $40,000 a year in China than every other country apart from America. So you've got a lot of the elements that you need for a modern, successful, dynamic economy. Um, The only question is whether there's enough of it to overcome this, you know, what happens to big centrally driven economies when their great investment push finally runs out of steam. So really what we're saying is China's probably, or at least is doing better and probably will continue to do better and, and perhaps avoid the fate of uh, the USSR because they've adopted more capitalist ways of behaving. So there we go. If they continue to do that, if they boost uh, competition, if they do have Mm. a vibrant market economy, then they have all the, the ability to succeed. I'm sure everybody will be watching. Thank you so much, Peter. Um, Brilliant unpacked as usual. Uh, We hope you have all enjoyed it. If you have, please do rate us. Um, And if you haven't subscribed to these shorts, why ever not? Because they are wonderful little bite-sized knowledge, which is fantastic. You go talk to all your friends about all this fascinating stuff that Peter Franklin has told you. So please do subscribe. um, And please do tune in to our next one. (laughs) 